your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to you. Uh, what day is today? Wednesday? Is it Wednesday? Yeah, it's a Wednesday. 608-785-7914. That's the talk and text line if you want to get in here. Uh, pretty excited. Uh, a couple of minutes coming on the show, calling in. Uh, it would be funny if we brought him into the studio, if we could actually do that safely. At this point, I don't think that's possible, but uh, we're going to uh, give him a call. I have 17 tabs open, so I'm trying to just... Uh, Phil Jennings, he's the executive director of the Wildlife Rehab Center of Minnesota. And if you got questions about animals, maybe rescuing animals, what you do, what to do if you've seen an animal, you want to just brag about how many turtles you saved, I'll probably do that later. Uh, this would be a good time, good day to call, 608-785-7914. We'll try to, we'll try to work it in if you got questions about animals. And uh, better, better yet, if you texted me. That would probably be the best way to do that. Um, he, the the Wildlife Rehab Center of Minnesota has been open since 1979. And just talking to Phil off the air before the show, uh, he's, he, he's been there quite a while. And he's just like, back in the day, the people didn't do this. So they didn't, you know, they didn't rescue animals or or, or try to take them. There was no place to take them. I, I'm, I suppose maybe they rescued them. Uh, it was stories from my mother about her dad. So my grandpa, obviously, um, my grandpa, I don't think my grandpa was rescuing animals. I think he was cooking them. Um, I'll probably get a, I'll probably get a text from mom saying, yeah, like rabbit stew and turtle soup. I, I feel like I remember these things. Squirrel. I think my grandpa, we, we were eating it. I, I don't remember eating any of this frog legs. That was a thing. I remember eating. I remember loving frog legs. And now the idea of eating frog legs is really weird to me. But I don't think we'll talk about that <laughs> to Phil. Uh, maybe. But, uh, yeah, so definitely if you have questions. Uh, before that, though, uh, there are a couple of interesting stories on wisdomnews.com that uh, I think Brad had both these stories. Brad Williams. Uh, the, the First, the Lacrosse City Committee uh, voted to raise the legal limit of marijuana, right? So from some seven grams. I don't completely understand this because marijuana isn't legal in Wisconsin, right? It's medical marijuana. We're kind of working at that. <laughs> we're, we're way behind. Uh, but from seven grams to 25 grams. Um, and the police chief said he's going to work with the district attorney if, if we can do that. But he also mentioned that, you know, possession is still a violation of state law. So uh, that was kind of interesting. I think there was a referendum uh, not too long ago. 63% of of uh, voters, whatever, whatever election that was, was it 2018, said, yeah, let's legalize marijuana. What are we doing? And, and that actually, that number seems kind of low to me. I wonder if we threw that on the, another referendum. Well, we should just throw this stuff on, on the ballot, right, in 2020. Like, why not? Like, just throw all these things on the ballot. Gerrymandering, uh, legalizing marijuana. What else do you want? Um, uh, term limits. Like, we could just do all that stuff. Like, why not get everyone's opinion? As long as we're going to have more people going to the polls, right? More people are going to go to the polls in November than ever before. I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure of it. Although, maybe going to the polls, maybe that's... Not quite the way to say that, right? Because I don't know how many people are actually literally going to go to the voting booths down at the, you know, rec center or whatever. Uh, but more people are going to vote, I think, than ever before. That's that's my guess. But uh, the other city, the, the the other story that Brad had from yesterday, um, Citizen Action of Wisconsin, they were protesting, maybe? Protesting at Riverside Park? I don't know. They had signs, so if you have signs and you're... You're outside, right? That that means you're protesting. And it was kind of a, 
I wasn't there, so I don't I don't exactly know, but it was kind of a weird place to protest because they were they were they want the extended stimulus checks to they want to extend the stimulus check program. So that six hundred dollars, uh, what is it, a week for those unemployed? It's like an extra on top of so the state's going to send you what forty percent of your income in a in an unemployment check, and then the federal government had tacked on the six hundred dollars. I I can't remember if you got it for four weeks or if you got it for for as long as you were unemployed. I, for some reason, I think the the maximum was four weeks. But you got four weeks worth of an extra $600. So Citizen Action of Wisconsin was at Riverside Park, quote-unquote, protesting the idea that we need to extend this. And I think the Senate has been sitting on uh, an extension of this for since they've been – are they on vacation? Are they back from vacation? They, they, took, they took vacation, decided not to vote on this because the, the program ends at the end of July. So I feel like they were like, nah, no big deal. We don't have to do this until we come back into session. Um, also like they get a lot of vacation, right? Like they're quote unquote in session for what, like three weeks a year. Uh, I used to, I used to have that bookmark somewhere and it's always funny to, to just go look up how often, uh, the Congress or the Senate is actually in session because we should all get this right. If the Congress and the Senate can agree that $600 a week on top of your regular unemployment is something that's going to be beneficial during a pandemic, then we should just figure out that $600 a week on top of the unemployment check is what the minimum wage should be. And, and we're going to extend this, right? We've already agreed upon this. And then if we, if we want to extend that a little bit, if Congress and the Senate are out of session, right? They're only, they're only in session, quote unquote, this many days a year. And I understand when they're out of session, they're back home campaigning most probably, but also listening to their, uh, you know, their constituents and, and holding town halls, maybe, uh, so they're they're still quote unquote working, but um, how many days are they doing that really? So we should also, uh, on top of the, the the minimum wage thing, maybe hey, how many guy how many days are you in the Senate and you in the Congress actually like punching in and punching out? And how many days are you off? So that many days you're off. Okay, well that's uh, maybe make that the mandatory vacation time for uh, everybody. Let's let's do that while we're at it too. Throw that on a referendum, right? November ballot. Let's throw that on as a referendum. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm going to bring – I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to bring Phil Jennings in here, Wildlife Rehab Center of Minnesota. If you want to uh, – you want a little preview while we're waiting. We're going to have Brad do the news. And now I deleted uh, so many tabs open. But uh, just go to Facebook and just Google – Google. Go to Facebook and on the search bar, do Wildlife Rehab Center – of Minnesota. I just, I start typing Minnesota rehab and it just comes up, but yeah, so I go on the search bar and type W R C M N and just hit enter. It'll take you to this, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the profile photo is a squirrel. So that, that'll keep, uh, that should, that should stand out to you. And then, yeah, they have some, they have some really awesome posts. If you just scroll down the, the second post on their page is this little baby bird, with the most gigantic feet I've ever seen, and uh, I've ever seen in in reference to the the size of the bird. So anyway, Wildlife Rehab Center, Minnesota. Go Facebook it, and if you got questions for Phil, shoot me a text or give me a call. We'll try to get you on the air. It's always hard to to do that when when we're we're working the phone lines, and I don't have a screener in here. And uh, but but I can try my best. Uh, we'll be back, Brad, doing the news, and we'll be back in just a minute right here on Wisdom. 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Excited to have Phil Jennings, the executive director for the past 18 years from the Wildlife Rehab Center of Minnesota. It's up in Roseville. It's uh, what north northeast of the Twin Cities, northeast of Minneapolis, I should say. Phil, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep, the suburb of uh, St. Paul. Suburb. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. I was I, I just I was looking at the map and I I think I did, I, I was zoomed over to the Minneapolis side. But uh, all right, you've been doing this 18 years. And I was I was bragging your Facebook page up uh, before the before the break here. Just the, the the even the last couple of Facebook posts you have are uh, you have this bird with gigantic feet on it, and right below that you have another. <laughs> yeah. um, but but uh, and and people, if you if you have questions for Phil, text me. We could try to get you on the phone too. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you have like, uh, hey, I rescued this bird. What do I do? Or you know. You know, just any kind of question like that. I don't know what is what. What would you say your expertise is, in, Phil? Uh, my expertise probably is uh, just sort of a Renaissance guy. Running a wildlife hospital requires a lot of different skills. You know, financial, raising money, uh, being uh, conversant with uh, all the animal questions that we do get. Um, so, you know, it's just it's like uh, being an executive director of a of a small business, basically. You also have to know how to like get a hold of a snapper tur- snapping turtle without him taking off your thumbs, right? Well, I try to. Uh, I leave that to the others. You know, the okay. whole thing uh, about uh, above your pay grade. Um, my, my job is to hire the people who know how to do that. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, curiously, I'm I, there's a lot of our patients that uh, I'm a little fearful of. To be honest with you, I couldn't do what a lot of our staff does. It's it's amazing to watch them. It's it's kind of like the old uh, kids don't do this at home. To watching them, you know, wrangle some of these uh, difficult animals. Yeah, I was on the pike between La Crescent and Lacrosse probably three weeks ago, and there was a giant turtle in the road, and I figured yeah. I, I, I recognized it as a snapper. I was like, you know what? This kind of looks like a snapper, and I remember watching a video like, hey, put it, get your floor mat out, put the snapper on there. So I did all that, and then I went to like try to pick him up, and he's like, mar, mar, and I'm like, oh, get. yeah. And this other guy <laughs> pulled over uh, on the side of the road too. He kind of seen this. He's seen the turtle too, and he just grabs the grabs the floor mat, and I'm like, oh, you've done this before, and he walks it to the other side. I'm like, oh, that was way. That was a way better approach than what I had. So, um, but but you've been doing this 18 years uh, at the Wildlife Rehab Center up in in Roseville. What what would you say? Did can you just do you have like a standout story? Like this is the weirdest or maybe the strangest thing that we had to deal with. Well, you know, there's, there's, after all these years, there's a lot of different uh, stories. Uh, I, I think one of them that comes to mind right away is uh, we got a rufous hummingbird in the late fall a few years back and rufous hummingbirds don't go through minnesota or wisconsin they're um they usually are they they summer in oregon southern california or southern uh canada and then they generally overwinter along this uh, baja peninsula and in uh, California, and uh, but we somehow got one. That some people thought it maybe got blown our way on a big storm or something. But unbeknownst to me, there is, um, and this is true of a lot of animal stories. There's a there's a tiny group of vocal people who are committed to the fact that there's a flyway for rufous hummingbirds, okay. and <laughs> so all of a sudden, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife in Washington got involved in this. Washington, 
Washington, D.C., higher levels of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And there was a Facebook page that propped up saying, free the Rufus. And it was all about these people who thought that we had, uh, that the, the client who brought the animal into us had inappropriately captured it and that it should be let go because it was going to, it was, it was just passing through. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot about the whole process of, uh, of the federal government's involvement with U.S. Fish and Wildlife and, uh, and the whole notion of when do you intervene, when you, do you as a human decide for an animal where it should be and when it should be there. And uh, so it was a fascinating uh, week long. And ultimately, we actually get a, a corporate sponsor here in the Twin Cities who flew it down to Texas in a private jet. So that was uh, <laughs> that was kind of an interesting story. Wow. We also had another one that I love is one of our uh, one of our people showed up at work one morning, and there was a woman out in the in the parking lot, and she said, "Can you help me with this animal that uh, I hit with my car?" She goes over to the car, and there's a full grown deer in the back seat of the, of the <laughs> car that had been knocked out. But it, it, as it turned out, she was a large animal um, that tech, so it wasn't okay. quite as odd as it might have been. But, uh, you know, so we see all kinds of uh, different stories like that. Yeah, and this 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 bird that you have with the giant feet, that was, I, I shared this the other day, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah. maybe not the most interesting story, but it's called a Virginia rail chick. And it's just like a little baby bird with probably, you know, the equivalent of if I, if I was a six foot tall man, this baby bird, it, it, the equivalent would be I have a size like 42 shoe. That's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, birds are interesting because they don't look the same when they're babies as when they're um, uh, adults. You know, unlike most mammals, you know, the, a little chipmunk looks like an old chipmunk. You know, there's not that much change to them. But, but birds are fascinating because it's really hard to identify them when they come in, too, because they don't look like what you'd expect when you're out birding, you know, and getting your, your bird books up. And and those uh, some of those shorebirds are like that because they've got those big feet so that they can walk through mud because they pick bugs out of the uh, the muddy areas on the edges of uh, of uh, wetlands and and lakes and that's why they have those real long beaks too so they have this long beak and these big uh, feet so that they actually can stay up above the ground and not get caught up in the in the quagmire. Yeah, looking at this thing, it's a good thing that the bird comes out of an egg instead of the, you know, the the, the other way that we give birth because I, that would look painful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it would. Uh, we're talking. They're also, I think, birds are. They just remind you what dinosaurs must have looked like because some of them truly are prehistoric looking, especially when they're babies. I heard, I heard uh, from a, a zookeeper on a different podcast I listened to that the dinosaurs actually. S- they made noises like birds. You would think that they growled and roared, but they actually sound like birds. Right. I don't know if you've heard that. They, they tweeted, yeah, yeah. Really, they are. They are direct. Uh, birds are direct descendants from from uh, dinosaurs. I just imagine yep. like a Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, out there walking around and just going burp, 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 like a little yeah. <laughs> chirping like a little or, bird or flying. Imagine. Oh, imagine that. No, so. I don't want to mention. Uh, we're speaking with Phil <laughs> yeah. Jennings. He's the executive director at the Wildlife Rehab Center of Minnesota. If you want, if you got questions about animals, 608-785-7914. Um, okay, so on your Facebook page uh, a couple of weeks, well, a month ago now, you, you said you had the busiest week in your 41-year history. So the first week of June, essentially, uh, you had 1,310. You call them patients, so you brought in 
uh, uh, thirteen hundred and ten animals to, that that what are all these like uh, people around the city or around the the, the state? I would guess uh, bringing in yeah. bringing in animals. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually the Upper Midwest. We we're we're the only place in in the uh, state, and actually the Upper Midwest that's that is permitted to accept mammals, particularly for, and uh, reptiles from other states. So we get a lot of patients from western Wisconsin, um, all the way over to Eau Claire, all the way down to La Crosse, uh, up into Polk County. Um, and yeah, the, all the animals, that's what's also amazing about it, is that the, all these animals are brought to us by members of the public. So you see these people uh, coming from all over the place. And, and uh, as, as I like to remark, you know, I'm, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin, and, uh, and when nobody in those days was taking injured bunnies to Milwaukee to the Penny Wildlife Center. But now people will drive three, four hours with an injured rabbit. Um, so it's really, it's it's a very interesting process. And we've been growing in leaps and bounds, the double digit increases in our patients every year. Um, so this year we're getting this uh, COVID uh, bounce that's we're up about 35 uh, percent so far this year we're almost at 10,000 patients for the year already at at the six month mark what do you um, so you're probably on pace for 20,000 what was the old quote-unquote record I you know do you well know last that? last year was our we've had uh, we've had record years for eight years in a row now and last year it was um, just just under 15,000 and right now we're about to a little over 2,000 ahead of last year. Now it goes, we have fewer uh, admits in the second half of the year than we do in the first year because most of our, 70% of our admits are, are into what we call our nurseries for baby animals. Mm-hmm. And in, and most of those baby animals are born between April 15th and now. There's not a whole lot of um, new nesting going on. Most of the baby squirrels have been born. Most of the baby, although the rabbits keep breeding, but for the most part, um, most of the species are done with their, with their, uh, rebirth cycles. Yeah. I'd imagine as winter comes that, that number will probably die down a little bit. Uh, the, the number. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We um, end up with a lot of adults in the winter because in the because in the fall we we see an awful lot of um, of um, migratory birds, especially big birds. And as you know, in lacrosse, the uh, the Mississippi River is a huge flyway. So you know you go down to Pool Eight or any of the any of the pools in the, uh, along the river, and they're they're just in the fall. They're just marvelous places to watch. A lot of interesting wildlife. How many people? So, in and also on Facebook, you put on May twenty eighth. You had your busiest day, one hundred seventy patients. How many people do you have working there? That that are, are they all volunteers? Are they paid? And, and then, uh, well, and then, yeah, how are you taking a, care it, of all it's these? Seasonal. It, it's a very interesting thing because uh, we're kind of like those resort towns that that have the signs that say five thousand people in the summer and five hundred <laughs> in the in the winter. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's like that. Right now, we have we actually have forty six people on the payroll. We have 70 college-age interns. We have about 12 uh, veterinary um, students, and we have about 600 volunteers. So we're that's 
that's uh, the largest census we get. Down into the winter months, we go down to about 20 staff and about 120 uh, volunteers, and all the internship programs are are um, ended in the because uh, most of the kids are back in school. Is there an is there an animal where you're just turning away? Because I remember, so I have like uh, bird nets over some of my like my crops. I'm trying to to grow from seed. They're in little containers. I put a little net over them. But a chipmunk the other day got caught in it, and then my dog decided, oh, I'm going to help you, chipmunk, and then bit it, and then it was limping, and I'm like, oh, good, I have yeah. this. Are you, if somebody calls you with a chipmunk, are you like, mm, yeah, we're good. We don't need to, to rest. No, 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 no. We're, you know, we're a hospital and uh, we take in anything that anybody thinks uh, is worthy of rescuing on their own. As long as it's a, a it's a, a animal with a breeding season in this region, you know, we're not, we're not going to take in alligators or bow constrictors or something like that. But yeah, if it's a, if it's a wild animal with a breeding system, uh, we'll take it. I mean, you know, and everybody's got their favorite nuisance animal, whether it's raccoon or or whatever. But uh, it's not up to us to decide that. You know, it, again, we're hospital. I, you know, I tell people it's, uh, you know, if something happened to me and I had to go to the hospital, I wouldn't want them to say, well, there's too many old white guys. We're going to let him go. You know, it's it's the same thing here. There might be too many. Uh, there might be too many rabbits. There might be too many squirrels. I don't know. That's not our job. Our job is to is to be a medical facility for those injured animals and for the people who. Uh, who rescued him? Because the, the process of rescuing is really well. And it, you said you've you've had that experience. The families we see, it's amazing. This is really it can be life changing for these kids. They come in and they've got this box with this little baby in it, and their eyes are just round as saucers. And and you know, you know, six, seven, eight years old stuff like that happened when you were that age. That um, forty one huge impact on the rest For, of your life. Forty one years old, Phil. I'm doing that right now. I got to... <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm doing that You're all the still time. Doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm man. I'm 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 stopping and turning around for turtles, and I, I saved the. I've got. I had a screech owl in my in my fireplace once, and I, that wow. went that went to the Raptor Center up by you guys, yep. and and three yep. weeks later, I guess he had emphysema. I had a screech owl. I got emphysema in my fireplace. Go figure. <laughs> Um, but all right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to we're going to come back and continue with Phil and, and maybe find out how how somebody might want to get into this. Sounds like you could take a couple more volunteers. You only have six hundred. Uh, we'll be yeah. back. We'll be back after this. I was. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. You got questions about animals? Now's the time to do it. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Phil Jennings. He's the executive director. For the past 18 years of the Wildlife Rehab Center of Minnesota, it's up in Roseville, a suburb of St. Paul. Uh, Phil, I just I was thinking you 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 were talking about how you've you've had just this steady stream of quote unquote patients. It's it's funny to call them patients because with the virus, you know, we 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 talk about people going to the hospital and and getting this virus and isolating, but uh, patients, animal patients, you've had so many of these, a steady stream of that. And speaking of the virus, do you think uh, just people are at home, maybe laid off and maybe out in their garden, maybe creating a garden? They're just out and about more, paying attention to their surroundings, and they're finding all these injured animals everywhere? 
Yeah, I absolutely think that's the, that's the case. You know, you think about people who are working from home, and including me. I've been working from home since uh, March now. And, uh, yeah, you go outside more, um, and uh, particularly when we had such a beautiful spring and there were so many people out and about. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, and, and I think it might be also that people are slowing down a little bit and noticing things that uh, they maybe hadn't noticed before. And um, the, there's a lot of wild animals, especially in urban areas. I mean, so I think that's one of the reasons why uh, we've been so busy. Yeah. In the last month, you said you, you had your busiest week. You had your busiest day uh, at the end of May. Uh, does it put a big strain on, on rehab centers like yourself that or, or are you are you pretty, pretty able to take all these patients in? Well, it, no, it's, it's uh, stressful because, well, the other thing that with the virus in response to the virus, we're, we've been very strict in our protocols, uh, glass, uh, masks and gloves, and we've also had uh, uh, informational sessions with people to, you know, to find out have they been traveling, where, all that sort of stuff. And then we were working in teams, so we're not used to that. Most of the time people, you know, they, they, we want redundancy, so everybody kind of works with everybody else. So, so that's been very stressful for, for our staff. And, um, you know, and where, where we'll really start to feel it from a capacity standpoint is physically when all these, baby animals start growing up and they need more space. You know, it's one thing to have a bunch of baby bunnies. You can put a lot of baby bunnies in a small room, for instance, or even baby raccoons. But, you know, you have a 12-week-old raccoon and, you, you know, you can have five in a 10 by 10 room, you know. So, and if you get a hundred, you know, do the math on that, you need a lot of space. So that's when we'll start to see, it'll actually be later this summer when we'll start to feel the effects of uh, of the space. Now we're feeling the effects of just how much work that is. You know, all the uh, the X-rays and the meds and all the stuff that that has to happen with the patients. So it's not dissimilar to you know when the, they were talking about the the cases with the COVID with uh, you know hospital beds and ICU units and all that sort of stuff. We're we're pretty much maxed out on all of those uh, measures too. Yeah, you're you're at capacity essentially. You need you need like a yeah. big plot of land maybe outside the cities that where you could just like build a gigantic facility. Is that in the works? I don't know. Well, yeah, in fact, funny you should mention that. We we bought about 22 acres in uh, Grant, um, Minnesota, which is about 10 miles uh, east of our current location and uh, what we'll be doing there is uh, building it out and it won't be a new facility because we'll, we'll continue to keep the hospital where it is in Roseville but it'll be mostly for um, outdoor caging for our uh, nursery patients where they can where all they need really all they need to do is have space to grow up you know they don't need a lot of uh, high-tech medical uh, care at that point so we'll be moving them out to to there uh, pretty soon. We, we've actually talked a lot in some of our social media, too, is about flattening our curve. What we've really been urging people to do is to make sure that the animals need help. A lot of times people just have a knee-jerk reaction. They yeah. see a you know, nest of bunnies or squirrels, and they say, oh, they must be hurt. Let's bring them into the center. 
And uh, that's not necessarily true. So we're, we're really encouraging people to call us first, and we can kind of walk them through. And we've, we've probably had another 1,000 animals on top of the ones that we've already taken in where we've talked to people through and actually being able to leave them out uh, in with their, with their parents or hopefully reuniting with their parents. Yeah, I, I was. That was actually my next question: is how how often do you get someone bring an animal in? You're like, eh, actually, go put it back. You know, uh, bunnies in a yeah. in a rabbit hole. Like I talked yesterday, real quick, just about a fawn. You find a baby a baby deer just laying yeah. out that the, yeah, the mother exactly. has left it on yep. purpose. Um, yeah, I, I I won't mention my dogs eating baby rabbits the other day like popcorn. I will not mention that at all. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I well, frantically the chase rabbits them. have such a high birth rate, though. I mean, they are, they are. Uh, unfortunately for them, is they are probably the most predated uh, mammal that there is. You know, you think about all of they're sort of at the bottom of the food chain. So, for better or worse, that that is their plight. And if they didn't breed like rabbits, they would be uh, extinct pretty soon. Yeah, I. Uh, th- I think it was, no, it was last summer during the show last summer. So maybe, I don't remember if it was around this time, if it was a little later in the summer, we had a duck nesting. We have these flower boxes all throughout downtown lacrosse and they're about three feet, in, uh, three feet high. And we have ducks. I think there's one on Pearl street, just down the road. We have ducks nesting yeah. in these boxes. And yeah. then, the, you know, so during the show, somebody's like the, the baby's hatched. So I'm, I'm on the phone, like during the break, calling the Cooley region humane society and uh, in our long break that just happened a couple of minutes ago, I'm outside. That guy is like, those baby ducks are like jumping from the three feet high out of their out of their nest and out of this flower box, and they're going to cross the street and they're going to cross this busy busy street downtown. Yeah. Um, th- that that's just a it just seems so stupid to me. But like you, we r- really you have to leave the ducks there, right? That's they're going to be fine. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no end to the number of uh, perils for a baby animal. You know, whether it's a, a hawk or an eagle or cars or people pulling the nests out. Um, you know, they just have these. The, it's hardwired. Um, they're going to do this, and probably that mother duck had some success nesting around there previously. Oh yeah, she was. She's been there a couple of years. To where it works, and yeah. Yeah, so they, uh, that's what they do. And, uh, you know, and, and really what you, there, there's a relationship between the amount of eggs and the amount of babies that a lot of animals have and how likely they are to get predated. You know, turtles lay, you know, dozens and dozens of eggs because chances are there's only going to be a couple that actually end up hatching and living. So it's a, you know, this has been going on for a long, long time, and they, they're going to do what they're going to do. That's why we always tell people, as you mentioned earlier, you, you put the turtle on the other side of the uh, street in the same direction it was going because it's it's going to go that way. It's hardwired to do that. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm always when – I'm, when I'm rescuing turtles out by my house, I'm like, why are you going over here? The river's over there. All that's over yeah, here is a really exactly. steep bluff, man. Like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> yep. Yep, they so, make different decisions than we might. Uh, we're speaking again with uh, Phil Jennings, rehab Wildlife Rehab Center uh, of Minnesota, and Phil, uh, your your Facebook page too. It shared a, a baby beaver that somebody fought, uh, fought, caught. I don't know if they fought the baby beaver by Minnehaha Falls, and it was kind of a whole production. 
as to what was going to happen to this beaver, and I don't know if I read all the things. Do you remember what I'm? You know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, there were there were actually two, uh, like two days apart, and the first one was able to get back to the family it's you can't rehab baby beavers because they stay in a in a collective in a colony for up to two years so you can't just you know raise a baby beaver till it's older and then release it somewhere um so we do in those cases we try to make sure that we can reunite it with uh with uh, a family or uh, a community and uh, one of them they it did get reunited and the second one um we're not sure if it did. We think it did, but we're not entirely sure on it. But it was the first one was a known uh, reunite, so that that was cool because those uh, that's those are the kinds of cases where there's not much we can do, and you love to see, especially animals like uh, beavers. Now I know they're unpopular in some places, but they're 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 pretty cool. So um, and it, we don't get a chance to see that many anymore. Yeah, we were uh, just hanging out. At- kind of south of La Crosse here on the Mississippi River, and we saw a sea otter, not a sea otter, I guess an otter. I don't know if it was oh, what kind of a otter. A river otter, otter. yeah. yeah. I, I, are those pretty yeah. common in this area? I don't, like, Or was that kind of a rare thing to see him just kind of walking around? You know, it's uh, they're not they're not uh, super common, but they're not uncommon. You just don't see them that much. They're they're pretty stealthy, mm-hmm. um, but they're wonderful animals um, because they actually um, they're, they're very playful and uh, they love to uh, swim just for fun, you know. And they dive and all kinds of stuff. So they're they're great. We've had some. We've had baby river otters in, and we've had also. Um, uh, a few adults in as well, um, and they're um, they're difficult animals to care for, but but again, they they do pretty well in our setting, and uh, and they're real fun to release when they do get to the point where uh, if you can save them. Yeah, I have a golden retriever, and there's a this place called Como Falls in Hoka. It's a, just a real little waterfall and there's a there's a little pond at the bottom of it obviously and my dog was swimming and then all of a sudden i'm like what is that and it was an otter just kind of chilling and i'm like they were right next to each other i'm like oh no because i have no i had no idea at the time like is this otter gonna like scratch my dog's eyes out or what uh but but it's it it, it all of a sudden it saw my dog and then it was like oh my goodness i'm out of here and it just underwater and and gone it went but uh yeah it it was very fast yeah yeah um, yeah, they're very, they're friendly animals, though. So they're, they're, that's one of the species. Some of the species that we have, we have to be really careful that they don't get um, habituated. You know, so like raccoons, otters, geese. There's a bunch of animals that they'll just uh, they'll think they're they're you, or they'll think they're a human, or they'll think they're a pet. And so it's very difficult to make sure that they stay wild when they're growing up. Uh, a, a rug from Trump text, texted in. He goes, I had a river otter playing with my duck decoys while I was hunting. That was fun to watch, he said. Um, yeah, that uh, would, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Phil Jennings is the executive director of the Wildlife Rehab Center up in Minneapolis, uh, up near Minneapolis. Uh, Phil, you've been doing this 18 years. Uh, you said yeah. before the show, you said you went to Ripon College. Uh, you know, that yep. we're pretty familiar with that around here. Ripping good, ripping good cookies was always the joke That's when right. I was in high school <laughs> yeah. uh, in Hortonville because <laughs> right. we Ripon was in our conference. 
and uh, you were a history minor, a major, and and then you got into animals somehow. How do you get into this field and get to be, you know, the executive director of this? What I would say is well, pretty gigantic uh, place up in the cities that's taken in thirteen hundred patients in a week. Yeah, no, it's it, it was just a, it's a real interesting thing where I've I've been lucky all my life. I, I grew up near Black River Falls. Actually, I'm from Nielsville originally. Okay, so Lacrosse is one of my favorite places actually, and and uh, and I came up to the Twin Cities to go to graduate school in history, and uh, I ended up uh, in uh, actually in the, the running store business, and then got kind of sick of that, so I went into public policy for a while, and I I spent some time in public policy, and it was just dumb luck that. I ended up at at the Wildlife Center. A uh, colleague of mine from the uh, public policy days uh, was doing a search for a uh, executive director, and I uh, I looked at a thing and said, "Boy, this sounds kind of interesting." So I interviewed and got the job, and uh, I've learned. I, I just learn more every day. It's just a spectacular organization. The people are wonderful, and uh, and it's just endlessly fascinating. So I have to say that uh, now at, at this stage of my life, I don't even feel like I'm I'm working. You know, it's just a it's just. It's wonderful to be involved with it. And the other thing that's really interesting, we have so many interns, and uh, and it, you know, when I see these young people and and their passion for that—that's what motivates them more than anything that I've seen, actually. And and it's really uh, makes me feel real good about the uh, the future. I'll tell you, when I was twenty, I wouldn't be doing what these interns do at our place. And uh, but they're they're passionate about the environment. They're passionate and about uh, wild animals, and I think that's altogether healthy for our future. Yeah, I would say, I, I, I would probably make a, a guess that a lot more people, and, and you talk about like the last eight years, you've had more patients uh, come to the rehab center than ever before. I would imagine that social media, obviously the internet's yeah. been around for, for 20 years but or, or, or more really, but I would say your social media has, has probably really helped helped evolve uh, what you guys do up there, or at least at least bring people to uh, to bring their baby rabbits in there. Yeah, there's no question. Um, you know, the, especially the the neighborhood uh, social media things like next door. You know, now just about every uh, neighborhood, and and even when I was a kid, there was you know somebody in the town that was you know if he needed a question on something, this was the person you call. You know, oh, call Harry or you know, call Sally. And now you know every neighborhood, every block has got an animal person. So next door, somebody will put on there that you know I found this nest of whatever and. There'll be six or seven comments that just say, "Take it to the wildlife center. They do great work." Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there's no question about it. Even if you don't find something, you've seen that in your neighborhood feed, um, or Instagram, and and uh, other other kinds of social media things have have really been a huge piece of our growth. And what you're probably saying is, uh, "Don't take it to the wildlife center. Call us first, and we'll let you know." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 10, 15 years ago, when I do any kind of, uh, you know, media stuff, media outreach where we'd we'd be trying to get the message to leave stuff alone, you know. Well as soon as as soon as we did that, we'd just get swamped with animals because people didn't always pay close attention. All they found all they heard was, Oh, there's a place to take wild animals. Yeah. <laughs> so so now we'll we actually get people apologizing for bringing stuff to us. And we're saying, No, no, you don't have to apologize. This is good. This animal needs help. 
So, yeah. but I, th- but I think it is. Uh, it, it, there's a growing awareness of what we do and uh, why we do what we do. Yeah, and when uh, anytime I'm finding something, I'm either calling the Cooley Region Humane Society. I think I what was it last fall? I found a a, a raccoon that was kind of out in the rain, and he didn't look very mm-hmm. good, and and uh, he ended up having some kind of disease. They had to put him down, but. Uh, if yeah. it's a bird, I'm calling the International Owl Center out in Houston, Minnesota, and and they're and then yeah. they're directing me to the to the to the uh, what is it the Raptor Center up in the cities, but the Raptor Center, yep, but yep, but yep. you know, one time it was bring it in and we'll take it to the Raptor Center. Another time it was no, like no, you just got it was a grebe. Is that what it's called? A grebe? Um, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a waterfall yep. essentially. And they were like, no, you just need to go take it to the river. And I took it to the river, and boom, there he goes. He swims away at 100 miles an hour. Uh, it was the cutest thing yeah. I've ever seen. I think. Yeah, you know what happens a lot with uh, with grebes and other kinds of uh, coots, other animals like that, is they can't their their feet are way back, and in, in the case of their feet are real large, and they'll land on wet uh, pavement. They'll see a road, you know, a black road, and they'll look like water, mm-hmm. and they'll land on it, but they can't take off without a running start, um, and in a or a paddling, a start. swimming it's start, pretty- yeah. Yeah, loons are like that. They can't really maneuver on land, so so they'll just get stuck there. And and what they told you is exactly right. You just have to take that animal, and as long as it it didn't crash land and hurt itself, um, just uh, take it to where it was going near water. Yeah, I put her, I put him in the water, and then uh, my dog watched me do it. And then once it took off, she took off, and she never caught it because that that thing was way better swimmer than my golden retriever. Uh, <laughs> Phil. Yeah. Phil, thanks so much for for joining us. I, I hope we could do this again. I, I wouldn't mind doing this. All, uh, you know, I would do this every day, but that that might uh, might might uh, burn my listeners out uh, talking about animals every day. But I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, I loved it, and and uh, I'm all for it. Call me anytime. I'd love to spend more time with you. All right, thanks a lot, Phil. All righty, thank you. Bye. That, that's Phil Jennings, the executive director of the Wildlife Rehab Center in Minnesota. Coming up tomorrow, Ken Gilliam, Fire Chief of Lacrosse.